Hey guys, it's Jesse. Listen, before we get today's episode started, I wanted to put something in front of you. You know how Jesus prays that his followers would be one, but instead it often ends up feeling like we're either causing or being hurt by relational dysfunction? Well, we provide workshops and coaching to help businesses, nonprofits, churches, and universities help people learn how to grow in self-awareness and build better relationships. If you're looking for a fast way to help your team become relationally healthier and more effective, we can help. First, we'll have a short 30-minute conversation with you about the culture, strengths, and struggles your team is experiencing. Second, we'll send you a few options for workshops that we offer so that we can customize what best suits your team, your time, and your budget. Finally, we'll come and lead your team in person where we'll spend anywhere from a few hours to a few days exploring each of your personalities and how those personalities are shaping your work together. As part of our time together, we'll also explore our favorite part of our Enneagram workshops, what Jesus and his good news means for each of your specific personalities. History has shown us what happens when people avoid self-awareness and ignore relational dysfunction. The organizations that we work with enjoy a meaningful time together, learning, laughing, and engaging with each other. People feel supported, heard, and connected. They go on to experience years of healthier, productive relationships at both home and work, all because they took a few hours to learn these important tools. You can learn more by heading over to lovethyneighborhood.org and clicking on workshops. Or you can write us directly by writing to Lindsay Lewis at lindsay at lovethyneighborhood.org. So whether you're part of a corporation, a nonprofit, a church, or a university, we would love to talk with you about how we can help your team. Contact us and we'll reach out right away so that we can help your team build better relationships. All right, on to the episode. Love thy neighborhood. Okay. Oh, cool. oh definitely. <laughs> awesome. Discipleship and missions. Mission. For, For modern, modern times. Desires get exaggerated and supercharged. Desires get diminished and either slaughtered by other desires. Mm -hmm. We moralize them into non-existence. Mm -hmm. It leaves us with this question. What in the heck does it look like <laughs> to have healthy desire? This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God and everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Enneacast. Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram and help you build better relationships. And today, we're actually continuing our series on the nine desires. So if you haven't already, please take a listen to episode 85 with Dr. Kurt Thompson to hear some of the foundation that we have built around exploring our desire. So we had planned to jump straight into the type episodes today with our type one interview, which I'm really excited about. If you're friends with a lazy genius, you'll also be excited. 
But we realized after our conversation with Dr. Kurt Thompson that there was so much content and we wanted to give our listeners a framework for what's coming up for each of the type episodes. So this is where we're going to start with each episode, that there are these two foundational ideas. First, that God created humans to desire. And second, our desires are drawn toward what we find beautiful. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that then. So first, God created humans with desire, with longing. We can no more stop desiring than we can stop breathing. It Mm -hmm. is an essential part of life. So what is desire? You know, there's a lot of different ways people would define this, but we're going to work off this definition. Desire is a strong feeling of wanting something that you believe you do not currently have and trusting that you will be satisfied once you obtain it in fullness. And so desire is this notion that if I could just get the thing that I want, and I got it in its absolute fullness, Mm -hmm. finally, finally I can rest. Mm -hmm. Finally I can be satisfied. And when we come to desire, we acknowledge that desire can be good for us, as in Psalm 37 that tells us, "...delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." Or it can be bad for us, as in James 4, where it says, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. So to summarize, there are just some basic facts, we would say, around desire that we're going to be working from, that we may not repeat in every episode, but we want to really establish that it is not wrong to have desires. You were created that way, and it's not wrong to pursue desires, that God himself is a God who desires So we see in the garden, the Trinity is working together to create man. They say, you know, let us create man in our own image. And that we see throughout the whole story of the Bible, it's the story of God desiring his people. Yes. Relationship, covenant, renewed trust with his people. So that's our first premise. And then secondly, We must desire. Like you said, like it is not an option. It is driving you whether you like it or not. But we also don't diminish the fact that we do have sinful desires. Some of our lesser desires, not that deep core longing, but the way we try to fulfill that longing often does lead to sinful ideas, sinful desires. And so that's going to lead us to our next idea. Yeah. And our second principle is just this. Our deepest desires are drawn to and from whatever we find most beautiful. If you imagine that you go to some place that's just beautiful and you're just overtaken with it, you're not indifferent. You find Mm -hmm. yourself drawn towards it. We naturally, as people, are just drawn towards whatever it is that we find the most beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so the Enneagram assigns a core desire to each type. And this is going to be a driving force in your life. I mean, we talk about the fact that the distinguishing mark of each of the Enneagram types is that Mm -hmm. one desire becomes so profound that you literally begin to organize your life, your personality, your relational style, the way that you move and operate in the world. It is around getting that particular desire met. And desires are really, really powerful. Sometimes they are so powerful that they're literally shaping our lives in ways that we Mm -hmm. don't even understand because Mm -hmm. it's sort of just like the oxygen we breathe. Right. It's like I don't sit around and think about like, oh, I'm taking an oxygen right now. Mm -hmm. It's just natural. And desire works in the same way. 
But the other thing is this. We don't just have one desire. A lot right. of the stereotyping that can happen within the Enneagram community is, oh, I'm a type two. All I care about is being wanted. Well, yeah. no, that's not true. Exactly. We have all nine desires, and we are some mysterious algorithm of all yeah. of those nine desires. Yeah, that's what makes the Enneagram, to me, very useful as a tool because you can be a type two that has a lot of tools and desires from type eight or type five. And that's going to completely flavor your personality in a different way than a two who has a lot of nine desires. We are talking about this watercolor picture of ourselves. And so that's why we're excited about this series, because we do believe that we have all nine desires to a greater or lesser extent. And we believe the world and the body of Christ need all nine of those desires to be working in the world to form the body of Christ, you know, to form, you know, every part because of the idea that, you know, in the Lord's Prayer where they say, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're working towards. Nine different displays of beauty on earth glorifying who God is. Yes. And I think, too, you know, even before we, you know, Lindsay, before you go on to this next part, I I just think it's worth noting that especially within the Christian community, the unhealthy side of that one energy, that Mm -hmm. perfectionism Mm -hmm. energy, that desire, that good desire to to be good, to have integrity, Mm -hmm. but it gets supercharged and becomes really kind of messed up Mm -hmm. and starts Mm -hmm. creating rules where there aren't any. I mean, that's a lot of where Christians sort of end up with like a lot of repressed desire. And then you add on top of it that we live in an age where if you did a Google search right now and you just Googled desire, immediately the content that's going to come is going to be sexualized. And that's really unfortunate because, of course, sexual desire is one aspect of desire, Mm -hmm. but it is is an expression of deeper things. And Christians need to be able to talk about these things and explore these things Mm -hmm. in ways that are, are helpful. And so... I also just want to recognize, like, we're coming into a conversation that a lot of Christians feel uncomfortable with yeah, absolutely. because they come from communities that have either said you shouldn't have desire because it doesn't matter. You should only want what mm-hmm. Jesus wants. Mm-hmm. Or you're such a worm that any desire you have is yeah. probably corrupt and evil. And so the topic of desire can just really be just a, a tricky one. It can open up a lot of really complicated feelings for people. Yeah, I think that's true. We even have one of our guests says, it's just hard to say the word desire over and over again because it's a little cringy if you have trauma associated with it or just strong religious teaching around it. So we are going to use desire a lot, but we're also going to use longing. We're going to use the phrase, the good thing you want, mm-hmm. you know, your core longings. We're talking about the beauty we were made to bring into the world. We're going to underline that we're actually not talking about sexuality hardly at all. Right, right. I mean, that is a desire that people have. But like you said, that's not the emphasis of this series. It's not the core desire. So here are the things that we are going to look at. We are going to look at the three ways that we handle our desire. So the first way that I think we often see is we exaggerate it. And that can be a lot of different things. But the main thing we're saying is like, you're white knuckling it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I have to have this desire and only this desire. And everybody else's desires are ridiculous. We should all want this one desire, you know, that I need it and I will do anything to have it. Yes. 
And the second way that we handle it is we diminish it. I mean, that's another thing we equally see. When we see people exaggerating, the pendulum swing is to say, no, no desires. I have no desire but to be robot for Jesus. And I'm going to fall asleep to myself. And I'm also going to put that shame on other people. If I see them living into their desires, I'm going to be skeptical. Mm -hmm. And then the final way, which is like the hardest one to unpack, honestly, is that we can discover how to wield our desire, discover it, wield it in a healthy way, which we're going to argue always involves community with others and especially with the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we exaggerate our desires, what happens when we diminish our desires, and how we can live with them in a healthy way. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Anna. Love Thy Neighborhood is all about taking a step back from your day-to-day life and figuring out what it looks like to live like Jesus today in the city. Bring life and beauty into the community by serving the vulnerable and poor, live and work alongside other like-minded Christians, and grow in your faith as you learn what it means to walk in the life and lifestyle of Jesus. Here's what some of our alumni have experienced. Caleb said, that Love Thy Neighborhood gave me the opportunity to live out the gospel in a way that was more intentional than I have ever had before. I was able to use my talents and passions to serve others and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Are you trying to figure out what to do with your summer? If you're feeling restless and longing to connect and serve with other Christians, come serve with us at Love Thy Neighborhood this summer. April 7th is the deadline for our summer intensive and it's coming up fast. We want to walk with you and help you flourish as you faithfully pursue Jesus. Learn more about the Summer Intensive and apply before April 7th at lovethyneighborhood.org. Again, apply before April 7th at lovethyneighborhood.org. Hey, welcome back to the Cast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. So today we're talking about desire. And just before the commercial break, Lindsay proposed that there are essentially three options on what we can do with our desire. Mm-hmm. We can exaggerate our desire, we can diminish our desire, or we can have healthy desire. So first, let's talk a little bit about what desire looks like when it's exaggerated, when desire is driven by a fear of loss. Okay, so what happens when our desire is driven by fear? We fear that we have lost or are losing something essential. If we lose this thing that we so desperately believe that we need, we will end up supercharging our desires. As Cliff Roth from Crosspoint Ministry says, we attach to things in the wrong ways and then expect them to do something that they cannot do. Right. So where is this coming from? What is the origin story of this fear and loss. So everything comes from somewhere. And the truth is that for all of us, somewhere in our childhood, our adolescence, our youth, we often find that a particular desire 
that was so beautiful Mm -hmm. to us, so Mm -hmm. needed, something that we really, really longed for, and at some point felt that maybe we even had some of it, we perceived that it was stolen from us, Yeah. whether through life circumstances, whether by another person, but there was something that was really fundamentally beautiful to us, and it was taken away. And the result of that is that we're in a lifelong pursuit to reclaim the beautiful thing that we believe that we've lost. Right, and I just want to input here that as a parent, I think about this a lot. We've been talking about this for months now. And I look at my teenager and I think, what did I steal from you? What was the loss that I caused you to have? And then I look at my toddler and I think, how can I prevent you from having any loss? You know, and that it, it's really so much bigger, though. I mean, I could drive myself crazy. I have driven myself crazy. But that, like you said, it's the brokenness of the world. Yeah, You could have the best parents in the whole world and they could do, you know, their absolute human best possible version of parenting and there would still be something. The world is broken. Yeah. So if you're a parent listening, I do want to just say, you know, we do our level best to love our kids, provide for them. But all of us, no one escapes the breaking, Mm -hmm. the brokenness of the world. So I just want to put that out there. Give yourself a little grace. Yes, that's good. Well, let me me add on this then. I do think that we have to recognize that the greater the fear, the more tempted you're going to be to exaggerate your pursuit of your desire. Yes. The greater the sense in which moment by moment you believe either it was really taken or it's imminent, the more you're going to exaggerate things you're going to overcompensate for what you lack. Mm -hmm. And this is why some desires get supercharged. And we're saying that when we're exaggerating our desire, we often actually lose touch with the core desire. So I think it'd be helpful to give an example. It becomes like a mutant desire. It's not really like the real thing. Yeah, like if you're a type one and you're saying this beautiful desire is, you know, I want to know that I was made good. And I want to know that God and others can delight in who I am, even when I'm not spinning my wheels to perfection. But when we're exaggerating it, that's when we see the perfectionism Mm -hmm. of like, I have to do everything perfectly or else because I don't feel good. Yeah. And I don't feel like anyone will give it to me. So I have to keep hitting the nail on the head every time. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about a bigger version of the good. Mm -hmm. We're saying something unhelpful in your life is going to be the thing you're white knuckling, Mm -hmm. right? That's kind of what we're saying here. Yes. So a few questions you can ask yourself when you're thinking about some of the desires in your life that are supercharged. And honestly, you could ask these questions whether it has to do with your core Enneagram type motivations, but you can Mm -hmm. also just ask this about big desires in life in general that you just kind of rattling around inside your heart and head and you just can't shake them loose. Mm -hmm. What have you been willing to do to get the things you desired. Mm -hmm. And there could be good sides to that answer, but there can also be some real messed up answers to that. Because the other question is, what lines were you willing to cross? What people were you willing to hurt? What have you been willing to settle for as a cheap imitation of the good thing you want? Right. So we are not going to pretend to be trauma certified or all-knowing on this podcast. That's one of the reasons why we really appreciate the work of Dr. Kurt Thompson and all the time he gave us to talk through this. You know, we barely (laughs) scratched the surface of his knowledge, I'm sure. But he did give us a few 
basic guiding principles about grief and trauma that we're going to use throughout this series. So like we said, somewhere in your youth, there was a loss. That loss is, you know, that's the grief we have in us is that things are broken, things are missing. And then when we consider trauma, there's going to be two components that I was overwhelmed. You know, something happened that it was really overwhelming emotionally, physically, psychologically. But then there was a second piece, which was that I had no agency to change the outcome that I was trapped in. So that's one reason we talk about childhood and adolescence, because those are really the ages where we don't often have agency. We don't have an income. We don't have power. We don't have physical prowess. And so often things are happening to us and they're so overwhelming and we feel completely helpless. And we have so few tools as children. Our brains are not developed. Yeah. So there's all these circumstances in which we're being thrust into a world that we don't feel that we have the tools for because we probably don't. Yeah. And trauma is such a buzzword in our culture. So, you know, we've heard about big T trauma versus little T trauma. There can be a one-time trauma. You know, this was a one-time really big grief, really big loss in my life where I was overwhelmed and had no power to change my circumstances. Or it might be that my whole childhood, these things were happening to me again and again and again, and I was powerless. Mm -hmm. And so we're not saying all trauma is the exact same degree of severity, but we do all struggle with having these griefs and losses in our history. And we need to look back and be able to to really give ourselves compassion for that part because we can't move back into our desire until we realize this kind of driving force of grief and loss and fear. Yes, yes. So as you think about your desire, and especially I would say as you think about it in relationship to your core Enneagram type, because each of the nine types have a different core desire, a couple of things that are worth taking a look at. First, what happened in my youth where I felt the loss of something beautiful? Mm -hmm. Was it a theme? Was it a moment? Was it a specific circumstance? Was it a relational dynamic? What was going on in which you felt the loss of something beautiful? And then second... This is the important part. It's this next thing. What small step can I take today to acknowledge this wound Mm -hmm. and begin to do the work of letting this wound be healed? It is very, that's hard. And I want to recognize that that's hard. Simultaneously, there is the part of agency is that we begin to do the work of acknowledging that that it was a wound and what am I going to do with that? Yeah. And the more by which we can step into healthy community and healthy people, healthy relationship with God to begin to work through these things, it it will be beneficial. Because here's the truth. What goes unhealed eventually goes septic. And what we refuse to acknowledge, we also refuse to let God heal. Right. So we have to start off with acknowledgement. Yeah. And that's a huge victory. So don't beat yourself up if you just get to the acknowledging part. You're already doing the work. Yes. So that's all of our thoughts regarding exaggerated desire. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit then about diminished desire. So when desires diminish, it is often killed by these competing desires. So you might have, like we said, this one great big desire. And because of that, 
You're like, we have to kill everything else. So the basic rule to keep in mind is that when any desire becomes exaggerated, it demands that all the other desires serve it, you know, like they're helping that desire succeed or be killed off, be slain to it, serve it or be slain to it, a.k.a. diminished. So if you find that you are really low in certain desires, in other words, as we go around the Enneagram and we talk about the need for this and the need for this, and I'm not saying you don't have an exaggerated, I'm saying you don't even have a healthy level of desire for one of those things, then you need to ask yourself why. What is going on? What competing desire causes you to feel threatened by Mm. the desire we're discussing? I think of the type nines. Like nines are notorious for not knowing what they want. Mm -hmm. Like even what they want for dinner, what they want to do with their life, careers. So you can look at them and think they have literally zero desire. But there actually is one desire that is killing all those other desires. And it's the exaggeration of a need for peace. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't have any relational disharmony. I can't have any conflict within myself. So the only way I can have zero conflict is to just put everything to sleep. Mm -hmm. So even though they look completely asleep, there is still one desire that is like ruling them all. Yes. But it's just very quiet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think one other aspect I do want to talk about on diminished desire is also this. In some cases, we also actually have a really profound longing for something. We see something as beautiful. We maybe even pursued it for a long time. And we just get to a place of fatigue where we just kind of bottom out. Mm -hmm. And we don't have a desire anymore. And it's really coming from a place of despair, a place of hopelessness, a place of depression. And it's going back again, Lindsay, to what you talked about earlier, which is, I don't feel that I have agency to actually go get that thing. Yeah. So in some cases, I also want to recognize that some people, they are coming to a place where they have a diminished desire. And it's coming not even because some other desire is, is coming after it. It could be a circumstance in which life has just been particularly cruel or something has happened to where you really believe this thing of beauty is absolutely not obtainable. Why even spend any time longing for it anymore? Yeah, that's so true. So we see that in Matthew 7, you know, that there's this verse about if you are evil can give good gifts to your children, how much more so does your father in heaven give what is good to those who ask? And it's that idea of God has made you. He expects you to have desires and it brings him so much joy when he gets to give you the desire of your heart. Mm -hmm. So as Christians, you know, we spend so much energy trying to suffocate all desire because rightfully so, we are sinners. We have sinful desires every single day that we do not want to give into, that God does not delight in. But we're saying deeper down, there are some really good longings that God put within you on purpose that he can't wait to give you and see you flourish. Mm -hmm. And that the most beautiful thing when all God's people are flourishing in the ways that God made them to be. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about exaggerated desires. We've talked a little bit about diminished desires. Mm -hmm. So we should probably now talk about healthy desire. And we're going to do that when we come back. Stay with us. 
Here at LTN, we're all about helping people build better relationships. And we've actually created a brand new way to do that with our Say More conversation cards. Say More is a deck of 100 questions to kickstart engaging discussions. So there's silly things like, which famous cartoon character are you most like? And there's also serious things like, what has been your hardest goodbye in life? You can use our Say More cards with your family, your friends, on a date, at the office. My family and I have been using them at the dinner table, and I've learned things about my kids that I truly never knew before. To grab your own deck of Say More cards, go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. And while you're there, grab a couple more decks. They make great gifts for Christmas or birthdays, and all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So, Go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click store and get ready to say more because better relationships are just a question away. Hey, welcome back. Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. Okay, so we've been talking about desire. We just talked about what it looks like when our desires get exaggerated and supercharged in ways that are not helpful or healthy. We have talked about what happens when our desires get diminished and either slaughtered by other desires (laughs) or just beaten down by the hardship of life or we moralize them into non-existence. Mm -hmm. So now I think it, it leaves us with this question, what in the heck? Does it look like to have healthy (laughs) desire? Yes. So the principle that we are starting with is straight from the gospel. We see someone come to Jesus and say, give us the greatest commandment. Basically, he's saying, tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, are we supposed to be going after? And Jesus tells them, you should love God and love other people as you love yourself. And so we are running with that, that we are meant to be people of desire And we're meant to pursue that desire in community with God and others. Yes. So we are going to work off this basic principle throughout this series that the two great commandments are the chief desire to lead the other desires. Mm -hmm. And that can get tricky because a lot of Christians, again, can come from backgrounds in which they go, well, it doesn't matter what that is. That is bad theology. That is not what we're talking about here. What we are talking about is that when we acknowledge our desires and live with healthy desires in community and in intimacy and attunement with God and with other people in our life and with ourselves, desire is essential. Yeah. And there's so much variety available to us within those commandments. I think that is key because we think, well, then we are supposed to all have the same desire. It's like, yes, at the very base level. But how are you going to love others? Is it I'm taking people meals, I'm cleaning people's houses, I'm serving the homeless, or is it I'm researching these things so that I can help the community? Or, you know, there's so many ways that we can use our personal desires to love God and love others as we love ourselves. Yes, yes. Okay, so with that being said, obviously when it comes to desire, one of the big things that immediately arises in all of us is, should I act on this desire? Yeah. What I do with this desire? Do I act on this desire? Should I pay attention to this desire? Should I ignore this desire? We immediately get to a place of, for a lot of us, it makes us so emotionally uneasy. Yeah. Instantaneously. 
that we're just like, let's just not. Yeah. So to help with that, Lindsay and I have actually come up with an acronym. And the acronym for all of us when a desire comes up within us is is action. Should I take action on this or not? So action stands for acknowledge, curiosity, talk, indifference, obedience, and new. Acknowledge, curiosity, talk, indifference, obedience, and new. So let's start with acknowledge. What do we mean when we say acknowledge? So a desire, something stirring inside of us, and we're going to start off by acknowledging it. What does that mean? Right. So when we want to acknowledge, we're just looking within ourselves. This is a solo activity at first. We're looking within and we're saying, what are some desires I have? And then, you know, I might act like I don't want this. I might not be expressing this, but what are the longings? And don't be judgmental. Just make a list of all the longings from I'd like to have pizza for dinner to I think I'd really like to start a nonprofit, you know, Mm -hmm. anything. Just Write them down. Acknowledge what they are. Mm -hmm. What are these longings that you're exaggerating or diminishing? Yes. And we do need the ability, as as you've said, Lindsay, like we have to have the ability to acknowledge some of these desires. Understanding, I mean, there may be ones that we write down and we know the moment that the pen hits the paper that it's wrong. And that actually is going to lead us to our second part of this acronym, which is curiosity. Why do you want this? What's good about this desire? Mm -hmm. What's bad about this desire? Mm -hmm. And then a question that we think is really helpful, what is the desire under the desire? Yeah. So let's let's give an example of something that is not a healthy desire. So let's say that you have a desire to lie to someone in your family Mm -hmm. so that you can get money out of them. Okay, so Mm -hmm. say that that's the desire and you're like, I'm really, really tempted to lie to this person so I can get some cash out of them. Well, what's the desire under the desire? Yeah, the desire under the desire is that you want some level of security. Mm -hmm. You want some level of being able to pay your bills and have a place to live or some Mm -hmm. ability to feel significant to other people. And so what we are encouraging is that you don't stop. Just simply at, yeah. I had this desire, it's wrong, I'm going to judge the desire, and I'm done. But the idea that even our most twisted desires, mm-hmm. at some level, they are parasites, and they are taking the goodness of God within people and twisting it. Yes. Keep digging deeper until you figure out what that deeper thing is. Yeah, and again, no judgment. No judgment on yourself that... If you can't find always the deeper thing, it's kind of like the emotions wheel. You know, you look at the emotions mm-hmm. wheel and it shows you the outer layer of emotions and then it leads you into these inner emotions and then there's inner emotions within those emotions. And we don't always have access, especially depending on how we've been raised, what we've been exposed to, to even understanding those things without a visual aid. So yeah. get out your emotion wheel. You know, you can literally Google it. it they're everywhere. And also, we're going to give you those nine core types Mm -hmm. at the end of this session. And so have those nine core types there and be curious. Like, does this, you know, more surface level desire, does it connect to being good, being Mm -hmm. wanted, being secure, Mm -hmm. those kind of things? So that Mm -hmm. that will help lead your curiosity a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're going to start off. So desire comes up within you. First thing is acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Second thing is be curious about it. Mm -hmm. Third thing is talk about it. What does that mean? So this is the idea, the God and community part. So we want to take our desires before God 
always, you know, just this free flowing relationship we have with our father where we're saying, I want this. I maybe don't even fully understand it. Could you illuminate within me? Could you guide me, lead me? He might move your desires in other ways, or you might just come to him with that honesty and feel the peace of knowing that you've been open with your father about that. And then we want you to take it to community. And this is where I have the like little warning emojis. So not all community is wise community. Even within Christendom, as you would say, there is good, better, best advice, you know? And so there have been times in my life where I have brought my desires, my good desires to community and yet had them slapped out of my hand. Like, no, you can't have that. No, things that were either neutral or good. And that then I felt shame and I took that desire away so deeply that it's taken me 10 years to even try to uncover them, like with therapy and lots of help. And so so I do want to say community is essential. It is just essential. It's not optional. Yeah. You, you have to have community. God but has made us in a way that we have to have it. You can't have community aside from the relationship with God in yourself. You have to have a compass within yourself and with God to say, okay, Even when my community is giving me feedback, I'm not making them ultimate. You know, it's just one factor in the process of sifting through my desires. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's an act of vulnerability for sure to to let people in because some of the things that we will ultimately share – We have a lot of shame wrapped up around some of these things. Mm -hmm. So to Lindsay's point, I think we're all on a journey towards trying to cultivate and create that healthy community. Mm -hmm. But there is no option by which risk will not be necessary. Yes. There will always be a moment in which we will have to make the decision, am I going to keep this to myself? And those desires are going to keep on coming out sideways. Mm -hmm. Or am I going to invite other people into this process? Yeah. And we just pray for everybody that that as you do, that it's a good community because we recognize a lot of people, a lot of us, we carry hurts from people that meant well. They really meant well for us. And they gave us really bad advice. Yes. And that could have been us also. Yes. I don't remember all the advice I've ever given to Are we doing it right now? (laughs) Maybe so. So as somebody who's an advisee also, if you're listening, you can be thinking, you know, be mindful and prayerful before we just give people advice about their desires. You can use these same tools to say, okay, is this something that's exaggerated in my friend's life? Is this something that's diminished? How could the Lord be working in this? And be curious Mm -hmm. with your fellow Christians. Yes. Yes. Okay. So acknowledge the desire, be curious about the desire, talk about the desire. And then the fourth one, indifference. Now, if you hear the word indifference, that can immediately sound strange, but here's, here's what we're aiming for. It comes from this theological idea called holy indifference. And we see this on display in the life of Christ when he is in the garden praying. Mm -hmm. And in that moment in which he is praying, the day before he's arrested, he says, God, I want this thing. Mm-hmm. I want this thing. Take this cup from me. But then the next movement, but if it's not your will, your will be done, not mine. And yeah. there's got to be a moment by which we don't hold God hostage to our desire, mm-hmm. but we are willing to come to him and say, God, I am I am declaring to you, I do desire this thing mm-hmm. and I'm going to trust you with it. I mean, mm-hmm. how many people do we know, you know, example, people that are single, 
They don't want to be single. Yeah. God, I don't want to be single. I want to be in a relationship or folks that are in an unhappy marriage. I want to be in a happy marriage. And they bring that desire to God. And there are times by which God fulfills that. And there are times by which that's not how things work out. If we don't reach a posture of holy indifference, we will continue to exaggerate the desire and let it spread Mm -hmm. like a wildfire over our life. And so we've got to be able to trust the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I would say this is that already not yet aspect of our lives where we're saying God does want to give you good gifts. He's created you with good desires. I mean, getting married is a great example because lots of people want to get married. Some do, some don't. And even the ones who do, it's not like, I want to get married and tomorrow I meet the person. Mm -hmm. It's usually involves some long suffering, you know, and confusion. And even when you do get married, it can be difficult. And so there is this tension, this mystery in our faith about even sometimes we discover these deep, good longings within us. And for reasons we do not understand on this earth, God says, wait. Mm -hmm. And you have to have that indifference of like patience to endure whenever you've identified a good desire and it just has to kind of sit there waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one more reason why that community is going to be really essential. Yeah. Good, healthy community. So acknowledge Be curious, talk about it, take a posture of indifference, and then the next one is obedience. And that is once we begin to discern what it means to walk with Jesus in in light of the desires that we have. Mm -hmm. There's desires that are off the table. We cannot faithfully follow Jesus and also give in and pursue those desires. There's also some that we are absolutely explicitly in Scripture called to. And there's a whole lot of gray in the middle by which God just lets us make decisions. But ultimately, out of that posture of holy indifference, we have to come to a place where we say, I'm committing to certain actions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow Jesus amidst these desires. Yeah. So acknowledge, curiosity, talk, indifference, obedience, and then finally, new. My favorite one. What do we mean by new? So we're talking about the new heavens and the new earth. We're talking about that Jesus has already come. We already have forgiveness. We have relationship with God. And yet we live with a degree of separation. So new is my favorite verse in 2 Corinthians where he talks about We're all changing from one degree of glory to another. So when you're doing this desire work every time, I mean, you're going to do this multiple times, multiple seasons of your life, multiple different desires. Every time we come to a desire and we align it back to Christ, back into relationship with God and others, every time we do that, we're getting that peace. We're seeing a glimpse of that new heaven and new earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a foretaste. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and the reality is that all of us, every human being has longings and desires, appetites that are too big. Yeah. Too big for this world, this experience. Yeah. They cannot be fully fulfilled here. And so this idea that I can get everything I want right now. I mean, that's part of our problem. Part of the problem we're running into is that we do think if I just go do this thing mm-hmm. and I finally get it, I'm going to get everything that I want. That's the lie. 
And so our desires and longings are a foretaste. They're signs pointing us towards the new heaven and the new earth. When we go through this process, um, ultimately, it's a great idea if we can arrive at a place of worship and a place of hope and a Mm -hmm. place of anticipation. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, when desires arise within you, we are encouraging you as you make a decision, should I take action on this or not? Here it is again, action. Acknowledge the desire. Be curious about the desire. Talk with other people, that's with God and other people, about the desire. Take a posture of holy indifference about the desire. So in other words, you're sharing it with God, but you're also willing to submit. Take the path of obedience regarding this desire. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk in the life and lifestyle of Jesus by obeying him. And then finally, understand that this desire is a foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. With that being said, we're going to do one last thing. We're going to take like two minutes and we just want to share a quick element just to give you framework for the coming series on desire. And that is that we want to acknowledge the desires of the triads and the desires of each type. So, Lindsay, first, what are the desires of each of the triads? For the heart triad, they are searching for identity. Their desire revolves around finding their identity. For the head triad, they're searching for security. And for the body triad, they're searching for freedom. Now, we have all three of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of us want to have an identity. All of us want to have security. All of us want to yes. have a certain appropriate level of freedom and autonomy and the, the ability to make our own decisions and live by those convictions. So each of these desires from the triads end up trickling down into each of the types. And Lindsay and my big thing we want to emphasize throughout this you're going to hear us kind of probably accidentally just talk about it. Oh, type twos and type threes want. Mm-hmm. Really, what we mean is these are nine desires all of us want. All of us want these at some level. And so that expresses itself in this way the search for identity that comes out of the heart triad comes out through the desires for types two, three, and four. So each of us has that type two desire to be wanted and loved. Each of us has that type three desire to be valuable and significant. And each of us has that type four desire to be authentic and accepted for who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then looking at the head triad, that we each have the desire, that type five desire to be competent know what we're doing in this world. The type six desire to be secure and the type seven desire to be happy or just content, fulfilled. Yes. And then finally, the body triad, you know, that search for freedom, each of us has that type eight desire to be protected and not be controlled by other people. The type nine desire to be at peace, both inside and outside, that longing for shalom. And then finally, that type one desire to be good and to have integrity. And so we're going to spend the next nine episodes going through each of those desires specifically and talk just a little bit about exactly what we've talked about today. What does it look like when it's exaggerated? What does it look like when it's diminished? And then what does it look like when it's healthy? And how can each of us begin to step into these things as we walk in the life and the lifestyle of Jesus together? So we're really excited. We're looking forward to this upcoming series with you, and uh, we hope that it's really helpful. Stay tuned. If you've benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. This 
This episode was written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Anna Tran is our media director and producer. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere and Murphy DX. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come and serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer summer and year-long mission internships for young adults ages 18 to 30. Bring social change with the gospel by working with an innovative nonprofit and serving your urban neighbors. Experience community like never before as you live and do ministry with other Christian young adults. Grow in your faith by walking in the life and lifestyle of Jesus and being part of a vibrant, healthy church. Apply now at lovethyneighborhood.org. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.